Thanks for checking out this Church in the City podcast. In our series through the Gospel of Matthew entitled The Good News of God's Kingdom, we're exploring the ways that we, as disciples of Jesus, partner with God for the real, everyday advancing of His kingdom. So this is week two. We're doing the book of Matthew and uh, going through some different topics on that. Oh, thank you, Derek and Amy. <laughs> we'll get words for people who come up. <laughs> so I've been asked to talk on hearing, and I was thinking I was going to go down a certain path, but I end up going down a completely different. It's on hearing, because I've done quite a few teachings on hearing, but this I've never done this one. So we'll see how this one goes. So last week, Steve um, shared one scripture, which he said for him was like the crux of the series. I just want to read it quickly again, so, so we always keep on going back to why we're doing this series. It's Matthew 4.23. Jesus was going throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people. And then I added one more of my favorite in. Seems I'm preaching. Uh, John 10.10 says, The thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And Jesus, when he left, he commissioned us. And as we go through this thing on hearing, think of it as in the context of us extending God's kingdom, of living out the Great Commission. And we hear so that we can bring life, and we can bring life abundantly. So that's, I still haven't told you what I'm preaching on yet, we'll get there. So you know at least we're talking hearing today, and we were talking, when I was going through Matthew, there are so many ways to hear God. And we go through Matthew 2, you saw about the Magi seeing the star, and that took them to Jesus. You see Joseph in a dream saying, leave Israel. Then he had another dream saying, come back to Israel. But today, so when you think of hearing, it's a huge topic. But today I felt to focus on wisdom and discernment around hearing. So just a very, very simple, just to give an idea. So let's say I look at Hugh right now, and I, and I see he's struggling somehow to discern. He's got a huge issue with insecurity, which I know he doesn't. It's the quite opposite of Hugh. So discernment is seeing that he's got an issue. Right now in the middle of the crowd, wisdom is knowing what to do with it. If I call them up front, it's not going to help his insecurity. Dealing with it right in the middle of the meeting might not be the best thing. So that's why I balance seeing with hearing. And then wisdom and discernment actually work together. Just because I see doesn't mean my mouth goes. We have to balance it with the word and all those different pieces. So let's just pray. Father, we just thank you for today. We thank you that you speak to us. We thank you that you open up our eyes to see for the greater things of your kingdom. It's not just about hearing for myself. It's hearing to bring an impact in this life. And we say, come Holy Spirit. We just invite you to come now to speak to us. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. So I want to read a very popular scripture on the next slide. Um, John 5, 19, and we know this one pretty well. It says, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of Himself unless it's something He sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, these things the Son also does in like manner. And some of us get so paralyzed by the Scripture, thinking everything I do, I've got to ask God. Everything I've got to do, I've got to ask God. And we get all paralyzed. But Jesus didn't walk around every time somebody asked for healing saying, God, is it your will to heal this person? Everyone that came to Jesus and asked got healed because healing came through the cross. But what Jesus did say, he looked for wisdom and discernment when the person came. For example, when the person came and the lady was bent over asking for healing, he discerned it was an evil spirit and he cast the spirit out and the person was set free. So as you see, this whole hearing thing, we've got to balance knowing God's word. Does God's heart to heal? Don't have to ask those questions. But there's other questions we do need to ask, and that's why we need to hear. Don't get overwhelmed by this next slide. We're not going to spend a lot of time, but it's just really just giving some examples of looking at the broadness of Jesus and this whole thing around hearing. Sometimes Jesus would walk around and he was trying to get away and people found him. And it was unplanned. But then Jesus still brought healing in that situation. At times Jesus was focused when he crossed the lake and he found legion and prayed for him and set him free of the demons. So that was looking for the one person. And then we see, as I mentioned before, Jesus, when the woman came to for healing and she was bent over, he discerned it was a spirit. So again, you hear Jesus tuning in, what is this, Father? Because that brought the victory in that situation. We then see, look at uh, prophetic. We look at the woman at the well. Jesus heard. He said, you have many husbands, and the one you're with is not your husband. What did that do? That hearing brought the first evangelist. That city, they all came to know Jesus by hearing that word. Wisdom. They tried to trick Jesus with the coin. And he said, whose face is on that coin? And it diffused the whole situation. They were, they were amazed at Jesus and they left. Timing. So we know Jesus is hard to heal, and then suddenly his friend Lazarus is sick. What does Jesus do? He feels to stay and delay, and Lazarus dies. And they get the whole issue of timing. But yet when God goes there and Jesus goes there, there's a mighty miracle, and many come to know Jesus and put their faith in him. The word. Uh, when Satan tempted Jesus, you think he would, you know, or pray or do something incredible, all he did was quote the word of God. He didn't get worked up. He didn't get all anxious. He declared God's word back. And Satan, like the greatest enemy, had to leave. Didn't do anything more, anything less. But in that situation, he knew the truth and he stood on the truth of the word. Lifestyle. 
And the disciples in those days were the greatest people praying for people. They were seeing healings and miracles and that. And they got to this boy who has been thrown in the fire, yet they brought no victory. Yet when Jesus came, he said, this type does not come out by prayer and fasting. But Jesus didn't pray and fast just before that. But what he's talking about, there's an authority that comes from a lifestyle of prayer and fasting. And he had the authority then to see what it was and the wisdom, and he brought freedom. So when, you, when we look at this, we see that all these different ways of hearing and acting, you know, Jesus, we just, actually, let me just, I had to do a diagram, sorry, if you guys know me. I'll wait for the diagram. It's not a difficult one this time. <laughs> so in the center, you have all those topics we've just covered with Jesus. Did Jesus know when he started off which one was going to come up first? Because see, in life, we don't always know where something's going to start, and we don't know where something's going to end. Let's say we call to pray for someone. We don't know that's going to result when they get healed in 10 people being saved. We don't know. But what we do know, what we're responsible for being, is in His presence. Knowing the Father's heart, like Jesus. So when you come across these different situations, He's really in and out of season. And so hearing is so tied to being in the heart of God and being in His presence. Because that's where wisdom and discernment come. That's where our authority comes. That's where our life comes out of that place. And I've been in the seasons where I've been fighting because I'm like, I need to be more in your presence. And that's where I've been at the last couple of weeks, fighting for this point. Because I know that if I'm not in his presence, there is grace, but I'm more effective when I interact like Jesus with the world. And so I don't want to discount myself by kind of half being there and missing the things that Jesus did not miss. So now we're going to step back a bit. That's kind of like the peak. And now we're going to come down and look at some items in a bit more detail. We'll just look at a bit more on wisdom and discernment. And as we see, they, they reinforce each other. And it's kind of like a spiral. You know, it kind of goes outwards. As we grow, and as we practice, as we grow in this and know the word more and do things, we grow in this. And the wisdom grows. And our discernment grows. And our wisdom grows. And our discernment grows. And we grow in this life. But it comes with practicing, growing, and doing it. So there's a very interesting scripture in Proverbs 3, 21 to 22. It says, My child, these two goals, set these two goals for your life, to walk in wisdom and to discover discernment. Don't ever forget how they empower you, for they strengthen you inside and out and inspire you to do what is right. And here we're just seeing how it's just this thing, being in this place, it empowers, it strengthens, and inspires us to go out and do God's work. I'm just going to read this quickly. I'm not going to spend too much time. Just a quick definition on true wisdom. True wisdom, seen in the ministry of Jesus Christ, is a gift of the Holy Spirit, Scripture affirms that true wisdom is a gift from God and points out the folly of trusting in mere human wisdom. 
True wisdom reveals knowledge, discernment, and understanding characteristic of God himself. So we see this is a divine thing, and it reveals God's nature. It always goes back to the nature and who Jesus is. And we're going to come back to the same theme on the next slide. Uh, and as you'll, you'll see, we'll be touching on this all the time, whatever topic it actually is. And so we're looking at Proverbs 1.7. And this is from the Passion Translation. The essence of wisdom. We cross the threshold of true knowledge when we live in complete awe and adoration of God. This is the key to life is when our hearts are so set on him. It talks about the great commandments, love God, love people. And when we keep our eyes on him and we're in that place of keeping our, the filters in our heart clear, that's the place of hearing. That's the place of wisdom, of coming into true knowledge. You know, like Peter, when he said, you are the Christ, and the next minute he's crying, trying to correct Jesus, saying you don't go to the cross, Then he was operating in natural wisdom. It made sense that Jesus shouldn't go, but there was a higher wisdom of Jesus going to the cross because it created this, resulting in us coming in to God's kingdom. And that's why we're going to be so careful between going between the natural realm and the spiritual realm and ensuring we're keeping... The only way to do that is to keep our eyes on him. So a couple of things here on growing in wisdom. Part of it is, as I said before, we just lovers of God hear his secrets. When we love God, he talks to us. God talks to his people. Understanding that we receive it by grace. It's a gift. We can't make these things happen. But we know when we just come under God, you know, he just loves to give gifts to his children. And James, written, not written by James, we ask and we hunger for it. It's part of us. It's that desire and a hunger for wisdom. Hate every form of evil. When we don't want the stuff sticking on us, you know what? It, it just opens us up to God's wisdom. Grow into the character of Jesus. Now I have a long scripture for me from James. But I think it's going to show us wisdom is such a practical thing. Wisdom in the Old Testament and wisdom in the New Testament is so practical. So let's look at James 3, 13 to 18. Um, I've, I've the sent upon I, I shorten it, so we're not going to go through all of it. It says, Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show, interesting, show by his good behavior, his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. Wisdom that does not come down from above is earthly, natural, demonic. That, that's quite a, quite a statement from Jesus on that. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder in, and every evil thing. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering without hypocrisy. So when we look at wisdom, we really want to become more like Jesus in character, 
in hating evil and operating out of God's peace. And it, it gives us an accountability here. We draw on grace, but grace helps us come into this. And so if we're struggling in the area, it doesn't mean it's a good thing, but what it means is we have the grace of God to draw on, on it to get restoration and not live through it for life. That is the grace of God. We can go before Him and say, God, this area, I have, I'm not having victory, but I'm drawing on Your grace because I know Your victory on the cross allows me to defeat this thing and come into the character of Christ. And the last piece on wisdom, um, passion for knowing His Word. And I have a thing here, letting the word cut you. I'm going to read Hebrews 4.12. It says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and of the spirit, of joints, of marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And that's when we read the word, we allow the word to, when I say cut us, it's like when we read like Proverbs and we, and we read something about, uh, God's called us to be pure. We sit and like we don't just like oh that's nice. We're like God, help me in this area of purity. I draw on you. Come work in my life because God is so faithful. We don't have to stay stuck in where we are, and that's where the grace of God comes in. It just brings such healing, and we can trust Him. And and as we look at the Word, let the Word and look at the Scripture. Let it like work inside your heart to to come through to freedom and draw on Him, draw on His truth. <laughs> I'm not normally that intense reading things and getting, it's, it's more than I normally put down. But you guys enjoying it? These are quite, uh, uh, quoted, uh, quite chunky things to go through. I'm like, am I crazy to be doing this? So let's look at discernment. Everybody say discernment. It's not, it's not that difficult. We get so intimidated by these words, wisdom, discernment. I'm like, oh, am I going to remember what this even means when I get up here? And um, discernment, the sound judgment which makes possible the distinguishing from good and evil, the recognition of God's right ways for his people. Discernment is given by God through his Holy Spirit. It is received through God's word and through the insight of a renewed mind. Again, discernment comes from? God. It doesn't come from us. And that comes through grace, through Jesus. And again, let's go to the next slide. You'll see the key verse I have here, Proverbs twenty, twelve. And again, you'll see the same theme, what we saw in wisdom, except some slightly different words. The lovers of God have been given eyes to see with spiritual discernment and ears to hear from God. So again, when we love God, and He's our passion, it says here, He opens up our eyes and our ears. So again, it's always going back to that place of Jesus. It's not about ourselves. We've got to get our eyes off our own issues, and you know, we don't have to live in the past. We can, we can deal with the stuff as we're going through life, but it doesn't mean this stuff is hidden from us, because it's, it's about eyes that are fixed on Him. So we can be active like Jesus in service 
even whilst we're trusting him to deal with the issues in our own life. He can still speak to us. He can still give us wisdom and insight as we go through this life growing. I know when I was younger, um, I'm not that old yet, but <laughs> I, I was, yeah, I was pretty hard on myself. I didn't quite understand this grace thing, but I had such a passion for purity. When I got uh, saved and baptized, that what gripped my heart was a passion to be like Jesus. All I've learned over time is about the grace of God and how gracious He is. And that's why when we pray for people, we see this breakthrough because it's not about what we carry. It's about what we have in Jesus. And it's just trusting that Jesus is so good because in what we said in John 10.10, Jesus came to bring life and life abundantly. So when I come to pray for people, I know that God, that's God's heart, to bring life and life abundantly. And I want to be a partner in that. And I want to hear the things that will unlock that in people's lives. Again, growing into sermon, this is getting a bit too obvious. Loving God. Um, a lifestyle of prayer. Jesus was always going away to the mountaintop to spend time before he made any major decisions or any, after any major event happened. Even if it was a, a real positive event, like when he fed the 5,000, he went up to pray because he knew that the place of safety and the place he needed to be was hearing the Father's voice. That was the voice he had to hear. Constant practice. We've got to practice these things in Hebrews 5.14. We can't be scared to make a mistake. You know, if we're looking to honor God and to love people, you know, God has the grace for us to make mistakes because that's the only way we actually grow. Surrendered and a humble life. Because God says when we are surrendered and humble, He lifts us up. And then friendship with the Holy Spirit. You know, we call to be friends with God. So the next slide... Just a step back, we're going to look at some examples um, of balancing of hearing with truth. In 1 Corinthians 13, 12, it talks about sometimes seeing you know, the glass slightly dim, meaning we don't always see perfectly. We don't always hear perfectly. I wish we did, but we don't. And my first question here is, I have a question, does a good job offer equal God's will. Let's think about that one. Do, circum do good circumstances always mean it's God's will? I remember back in 2006, as part of a, our company got sold. It was, um, was not the best time in the economy for employment. Um, we got bought, by, bought out. It was, quite a, it was quite internationally known, the disaster of that acquisition. And as part of that, my job was let go. Three months later, I remember the day after I got a call thinking, party time, got all my money that I got from all my being laid off, and this is going to be a real party. Well, actually, three months later, there still was no party. That, that first call went nowhere quickly. But at about three months, I remember being at the U.S. Equip, and I got a phone call from this person, and it was the perfect Perfect. I could not have written a better job description. And the salary was just 
That was awesome. But I wasn't in Chicago. So because it was the perfect job, awesome salary, does that mean it's God? But at that stage, I felt our place was here serving a church in the city. And so I had to turn that job down. I wish I could say that another awesome job came and it was absolutely easy streets and they threw money at me. No, it didn't. <laughs> and at times it reminds me of like, what if? You know, the what if thing. But what I do know is God knows what's right for me because he's a good dad and he knows I lead me in the right things. And I just got to be faithful what he puts in front of me. But I knew that in that season... My place was here. So you, the next one, it's a bit more interesting. It says, we hear God saying, okay, to date an unbeliever. We're just running through examples here. And this is where we need this thing of balancing truth with the word. We need each other. But in 2 Corinthians 6.14, it says, talks about not being unequally yoked. So the word says, we shouldn't be marrying unbelievers. And at that point, we've got to decide what's right. We've got to balance our hearing with what the truth of God's word is. And sometimes that can be really, really t- tough because in those situations, we've got to trust Him that God's going to bring that friend of yours to salvation or um, that there's always grace, you know, we're not all perfect. But that's where we've just got to learn to, to balance that. And then, Another one, I said, um, and I love this one because I'm actually a person who loves vacation. I could quite happily not actually go back to work. If I got a couple of million dollars, I'd be, I'm so out of there. I, my identity is not in my work. I can promise you that one. Um, but I do work hard because the Bible says we have to work. And so in Proverbs 6 here, it talks and warns about not working, about, you know, if you don't work, there's no food. Or if you're lazy in the hot, during the, you know, the, um, the planting season, there's not much of a harvest. It doesn't mean, God, that there isn't a season where we, maybe we need a month or two months or three months. And it is God, not saying that can't happen, but we first got to go to his word and say, actually, you say it's good to work. Am I really hearing you on this one? Am I really hearing you? Because your word says it's good to work. And then that's where we need to start drawing on like what I call the big decisions of life. You know, moving, moving states or moving church or moving country, uh, making a major, getting married. That's where God's given us each other. And he's given the body and he's given the eldership. Not because we're more special. It's a function to be able to say and to say, I'm, this is what I think I'm hearing. What do you think about it? And what it does, you're balancing with the word, you're balancing with the body, you're balancing with, you know, and you're letting God's wisdom and discernment come into the situation versus saying, oh, by the way, God's called me to leave and I'm leaving. And like we go, over, okay. There's not much wisdom in that because that's why God's given us each other. He's given us the word. And we help us you know, work through life. One piece 
that um, I wasn't expecting is the importance of honor. But honor has a huge impact on our lives. And we look at 1 Corinthians 12, 20 to 25. We're not going to read all that. But it talks about how God has placed us in a body. Each part has a role to play. And it says that the parts that look the most, the least spectacular actually had the greatest impact. And he said he structured it in such a way that we all need each other. We need each other to function to be like Jesus and to hear what God is saying. This turns to the next slide. We see in Matthew ten forty one, Jesus understood honor. He says, He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. So we see there is this reward in honoring each other and drawing from each other. And I'm going to expand on that. But why? What is this importance of honor? The key of honor is remember we went back to the beginning. We live a supernatural life. There's seeing through the natural and there's seeing through the spirit. When we look at people with honor, what we're doing, we're saying, God, give me your eyes of how you see that person. When you look at Jesus, Jesus understood honor. He picked the 12 biggest losers on the planet, but through honoring them and helping them and guiding them behind this. He didn't just say, Peter, you're an idiot. But, he, but they made mistakes. But through his wisdom of allowing them to make mistakes and grow, they became tall people that transformed the world. And it's the same thing. When we start seeing each other and saying, Jesus, give me your eyes where I can help with discernment and wisdom to be able to speak into each other's lives so that we too can be like those 12 apostles and have a huge impact. Because as we're going back, we want to have an impact for the kingdom. We, that's the purpose. It's loving God, but also we want lives that can bring people into this freedom that establishes the kingdom, that sets people free, brings them into abundant life. But we need to first have eyes for ourselves in this body where we want the same thing and believing for and seeing the greatness that God sees and why he created each of us to help us come into that because it establishes his kingdom. We honor people's breakthroughs and victories. And what do I mean by that? Like Gary has an incredible breakthrough in business. We look at the tubs, have a passion for the city, you know, and the broken of the city. We look at James, has a passion for communications. He's really gifted in communication. 
the Dones have a huge compassion for people. So when we honor people in that, we get part of that. We receive, as I said, we receive a reward. And we look at um, Romans 1, 11 to 12. Paul says, I have a gift to impart. And when we humble ourselves, God lifts us up. And again, it's not a thing of comparing ourselves. It's a place of just looking to honor people. And you know, when we honor people, it keeps our heart clear to actually to be able to hear. Because when we have um, offense at people or things like that, what it does, it actually clouds our own hearts. We want to get our own way, but you know what? When we actually just start trusting him and saying, you know what, I'll look past the offense. I will honor people. It actually sets our own hearts free to actually to hear and to hear God's wisdom, to be able to speak that out. So in conclusion, so what's the very first thing again we discussed throughout? We want to Love God. That's the very first thing that is core for every single thing. A passion for Jesus. It just keeps us in the right place. The second is seeing with God's eyes and not the natural eyes. Which means asking Jesus for his eyes in the different situations. We need God's wisdom and discernment to function like Jesus we also need to understand we do not see and hear perfectly, and we can make mistakes, but God is good. He's gracious, and that's why he calls us a family, because family is not perfect. But God's grace is there. As we end here, it's Hebrews 3.13. It says, But encourage one another day after day, as long as it's still called today so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why we just need to look after each other daily so that, you know, we come into the God's gifting and calling. And God is really good. But we do need each other daily to be turning our eyes on and looking and speaking and hearing what God has to say. Let me just pray quick, James. So, Father, I just do thank you for just your wisdom and your discernment. I thank you, Father, just for even an impartation now, Lord, of just that in our lives. Thank you, Father, for just your fresh impartation in Jesus' name. You're so good, Father. You're so good. You know how to look after your people. And we just say, yes, Lord, just come. Speak to us afresh. We just receive your grace for hearing your grace for life, your, just your wisdom from heaven. We just thank you for that, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening. You can always check out more messages at churchinthecity.us or on iTunes.